Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, but you're here with us at the magical TTA Studios as we present DCN This Week, your weekly news and information show provided to you by the Disney crew for the week of July 23rd, 2018. On tonight's show, we have an in the news segment that for the first time ever pokes fun at Bob Iger. We take a moment for us that sets the mood. We have an elite eight places to take a walk, take a chance. And look out, Brooke's not impressed again. Uh-oh, so settle in, grab a drink. You just may learn something all on DCN this week. Good evening. Thank you for joining us for your DCN This Week show. I'm your host, Tommy. Joining me on the TTA Studios desk, as always, Brooke. Let's see what's happening in the news. Our top story this week, Comcast has officially dropped out of the competition to buy Fox, seemingly conceding victory of the sale to Disney. Disney is now one step closer to finalizing their deal for Fox. Comcast, on the other hand, has turned its attention to entertainment company Sky as its consolation prize, and in a funny turn of events, sent out a press release which is the business equivalent of, well, we didn't want Fox anyway, Sky is so much better. Meanwhile, Sky doesn't even know what a press release is, or that they were for sale, or what they actually do to make a profit. Bob Iger and the rest of the Disney executives held their annual executive picnic this past weekend. They enjoyed hot dogs, seven-layer dip, and all the traditional picnic games like the three-legged race, badminton, and every Disney executive's favorite game, ignore the fans. Over the weekend, tweets that Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn made over 10 years ago resurfaced, in which the director made off-color and inappropriate jokes. Disney fired him promptly from his duties on Guardians of the Galaxy 3, this despite already knowing about the tweets almost five years ago, when Gunn apologized for them the first time. A Disney spokesperson reached out to DCN to elaborate, saying, Mr. Gunn made some bad jokes when he was a young man, and surely we can't allow someone to work at Disney who has done what literally every other person ever has done. A petition was started almost instantly by fans to persuade Disney to rehire James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. At the time of this broadcast, the petition is nearing 300,000 signatures. This outpouring of love from the fans will send a strong message to Disney about what fans want, which will surely put Disney CEO Bob Iger in a tough position. Because on one hand, he has proven that Disney executives don't care what fans think. But then on the other hand, Disney executives don't care what fans think. So who knows which way he'll go on this one. Wait and see, I guess. Record heats continue in Walt Disney World this past week. It was so incredibly hot that people desperate for air conditioning were actually going into Stitch's Great Escape. That's hot. It's estimated that 505,000 people have already experienced the new Toy Story Land in Walt Disney World. Wow, that's quite a number. 
to help put that number in perspective for you, if you were to take all the listeners of this podcast and multiply it by 505,000, you'd have that exact amount. Thanks for listening, Mom. Rumors are swirling around the internet and have maybe sort of been confirmed by some cryptic tweets from Imagineer Joe Rohde that the long-broken Yeti in Expedition Everest will finally be repaired and restored to opening day working order. DCN reached out to Disney to confirm or deny these rumors, and a Disney spokesperson said, Hey, we're as committed to maintaining our attractions as much as we ever have been. And I assure you, we will work tirelessly to ensure each attraction is in working order always, even if it means working four-hour days, three days a week. Big news out of Disneyland, where Disney has announced that they intend to add FastPass to Pirates of the Caribbean by the end of next month. I don't think I'm alone in saying, your move, Universal. Bing Bong's sweet stuff opened up this past weekend in Disneyland. The store has a wide new assortment of drinks, candies, and baked goods. But one thing that we at DCN are not so sure about is the marketing strategy, which is urging kids to buy more candy or Bing Bong will die again. In Jason Will Be Happy news, a new bar opened up in Dinoland USA at Disney's Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World. It can be found in Restaurantosaurus, and it is conveniently named Restaurantosaurus Lounge. There will be a limited full bar and many specialty dino-themed drinks, such as Paleontology Punch, Primordial Booze, and Fermented Fossil. Fortunately, they decided to leave off the bad decisionosaurus in Jägermeister. And finally, Disney does sometimes get it right. This past weekend, it was announced at the San Diego Comic-Con that Disney would be reviving the beloved series, The Clone Wars, which was abruptly canceled when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Fans clamoring for a true end to the series will be pleased to know that Disney intends to make one final season to end all loose threads, which will debut in 2019. In an off-the-record comment made to Disney News Today, CEO Bob Iger was quoted as saying, Hey, let's give these morons one more season to shut them up. The most shocking part of that story was that Disney News Today doesn't know what off-the-record means. And there's your news, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your moment for us. This is Walter Cronkite here at the Disney Animation Studio. Today we'll have a unique look how their films are created. Well, sir, me. you sir there. Yes, sir. Could you give us a little help today? Oh, yes, sir. Well, you're, wait a minute, you're Walter Cronkite. That, and that's the way it is. Hold on, Walter, can you just a moment? <laughs> how you doing? Name's Robin, nice to be here, but you can call me Chuck. <laughs> Robin, what's your favorite Disney film? Well, to be honest, Walter, I think Fantasia has a certain Fellini-esque kind of quality, but my real favorite is Peter Pan, boy. I mean, never, never land. Oh, little pixie dust and you could fly, you know? Today, you can visit Neverland. Oh, Walter, don't pull my leg. In order to demonstrate the animation process, we're going to turn you into an animated character. Does this mean I'm only going to have three fingers? 
Tinkerbell. She's so bright. Oh, it's like being in the presence of Barbara Streisand. Is this Neverland? I mean, these books are huge, and me without my cliff notes. <laughs> this is where animation begins, with a good story, adventure, romance, humor, suspense. Boy, if you get a paper cut here, Walter, you could lose a hand. Of course, since we tell our stories with pictures as well as words, we bring them together here on the storyboard. Looks like a comic strip, Walter. Right, Robin, and this is the title of your story, Back to Neverland. Walter, I was thinking you may be going with Peter Pan, First Blood. No, coming in with twin Uzis going, Hook, we've got a problem. And have Jack Nicholson play Captain Hook going, Maybe, maybe not, sucker, let's talk. <laughs> no, no, you're being cast as one of the little lost boys. Boy, I look so puny. You're a sympathetic little character, someone we can all feel for. You really think that people could feel for me? Oh, certainly. We'll feel suspense when you're alone aboard the pirate ship. Yeah. We'll feel frightened when you're captured by Captain Hook. Yeah. And we'll all feel sorry when you're thrown to the crocodile. Yeah, me too. I'd... Whoa, what? Walter, Walter, what's this? What about a crocodile? What do you mean? Don't worry, there's a happy ending. This is the sound studio where your voice will be recorded for the film. Scene 19, take one, roll What, like these are my lines? Help, don't eat me. Ouch. I thought you said there was a happy ending, Walter. For who? The crocodile? Fine. Help! No, don't eat me, no, please. I hope you choke on me. Help! Hey, hey, Walter, what happened? Now I'm just a voice. You see, Robin, you provide the voice, and the animator does the rest. He brings you to life on the page. It really amounts to acting on paper. When the drawings are viewed in sequence, they seem to come alive. Hey, look! I'm a cartoon! <laughs> hey, Walt, just how far can you go with this? You can do anything that he can draw. Hey, animator, what do you say we have some fun, huh? Hey, all right. Let's go. I can be anything. I can be just a tiny person. Or make my eyes really big. Or maybe have legs that are real long. I can even be you, Walter Cronkite. Now hold on there. Can I do this? I'm happy. I'm grumpy. I'm dopey. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm a corporate symbol. Hold it. Hold it. Whoa. Are you fellas finished? <gasps> I always wanted to do that. Next, each of your drawings is photocopied onto a sheet of plastic called a cell. And you're ready for color. The colors that feel right for your character are painted on the back of the cell. Careful. Stay in the lines, babe. Don't want to lose anything. And there you are. All right. Now can we go to Neverland? Can we, Uncle Walter? Huh? Huh? Maybe, please? Huh? We're almost there. The layout artists are drawing the sets for you now. These skilled artists create the fantasy world in which you will act. Whoa, nice boat, dude. The background artists help establish the mood of the scene by painting it with appropriate colors. 
Makes me feel like singing. A pirate's life is a wonderful life, a rover over the sea. Of course, this is a much more appropriate mood for your scene. It gives the proper air of foreboding. For whating? Hey, this is the part where Captain Hook shows up, right? <laughs> and there's a crocodile, right? Whoa. <laughs> what am I doing here? See you later, Walter. Oh, come now, Robin. <laughs> You're headed the wrong way. Walter, Walter, put me down. Oh, no, put me down, Walter. This is the camera department, where all of these elements of story, character, acting, and mood are photographed for the final film. Walter, here's a little crazy idea of mine. What do you think? Let's lose the part with the crocodile! Walter, please! It all begins to feel pretty convincing by the time it reaches this stage, doesn't it? Walter? What's that, Walter? Music and sound effects complete the feeling of reality. Walter, all that mood stuff really works, Walter. This is really creepy. Well, well, one of Peter Pan's little lost boys. No, wait, Hook. I can explain. I didn't want to bother you, see? There was Walter Cronkite and storyboards and animators. Please, please. I throw myself at your good leg and, and beg for mercy. Where is Peter Pan hiding? I'm drawing a big blank on that, too, man. Listen, you're a drawing, I'm a drawing. Let's lighten up here, man. Ah! No, no, you don't want to eat me. Hey, you know, you are very, very rough on your skin here. I think you need something as a conditioner. Whoa! Tinker, Tinker, Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell. Yeah, Pixie does. Douse me, babe. That's it. <laughs> Blast that Tinkerbell. Hey, Tink. Hey, time to play that exciting new game show, You Bet Your Hook. That's right. Our contestant is a pirate. He's also a villain. Let's welcome him, please, Captain Hook. Hi, nice to have you on the show. Nice hat. Hey, you know, you're not wearing one. I'm kidding! Here we go. Here's our guest. It's time to play the big $20,000 question. What has four legs of voracious appetite and is right behind you? Uh, time's up. It's a crocodile. Come on down. <laughs> hey, Tink, slip me some wing. Pow! Robin, I think you've got the general idea. It's time to come back now. Oh, but I just got here. Now, Robin, we don't want to miss the rest of the tour. Oh, yeah. That's right, but I didn't get to meet Peter or Wendy or anybody, Walter. I beat Captain Hook, and I was flying, Walter. Oh, boy, Walter. Come on, Robin. What are you hanging around for? Let's go have some fun. Catch up with the next group, okay? Now, Robin. Hey, wait for me, Peter! And that's the way it is. Keep the jacuzzi hot. I'll be back. Come on, everybody. Here we go!
Welcome back to your DCN This Week show, and now our e-ticket attraction. This week, our e-ticket is a segment we like to call the Elite Eight, in which we give you our consensus top eight selections on different subjects. Tonight, we're giving you an Elite Eight called Take a Walk, Take a Chance, which is all about places we like to take a walk in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Let's get further into this with our DCN correspondent, When people think of Disney parks, they think of world-class attractions, characters, and maybe restaurants. And yeah, sure, most people will think of immersive theming, but mostly it's in relation to how that theme fits into a land or attraction or restaurant. If there's one thing to isolate that Disney does exceptionally better than every other theme park, it's taking all those elements and combining them into spaces that are just enjoyable to exist in or just to walk in. The unfortunate reality for so many people is that they spend so much time saving for a Disney trip that they may only experience once every five years or so. And when they do finally go, it's a race from attraction to attraction because they feel compelled to get the most bang for their buck. We here at DCN urge you to take the time to enjoy the in-betweens, the places that you can walk through, the immersive environments that make it a joy to be in. Even if it's your only Disney trip for years, it's worth taking the time to slow down and enjoy the time you have to be in these areas that are magical and surely unlike anything you'll experience anywhere in the world. And now we present the DCN Elite Eight of places to walk around in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Here we go. Number eight, the boardwalk in Walt Disney World. The boardwalk is themed after a turn of the century East Coast boardwalk not just in the building designs, but straight down to the music used in the area. When you walk down the wooden pathway of the boardwalk, you're instantly transported. There are a few shops, restaurants, and lounges that can make your walk more substantial, perhaps even turn it into a whole afternoon, but you don't need them to enjoy your time walking around the lake. For bonus points, the boardwalk totally transforms at night, where the lighting changes the whole look of the area. It makes it darker and with more lights. Number seven. Asia and Disney's Animal Kingdom. This might be a bit of a cheat because there is an attraction in this land that is a walking attraction. But eh, who cares? It still doesn't change the fact that this is one of the most immersive lands Disney has ever created with amazing vistas to look at with Expedition Everest looming in the distance, interesting animal exhibits, and fun city scenes to meander through. And yeah, there is the Maharaja Jungle Trek, which is a wonderful attraction to add to your walk. You could easily spend a few hours just walking through this land alone. And maybe stop by Jason's favorite walk-up bar and get a nice cool bevy so you don't have to walk alone. Number six, Buena Vista Street in Disney California Adventure. We are suckers for the 1920s to 1940s eras. We admit it. This street captures that jazzy old time period perfectly and it has the perfect weenie to boot. It's such a pleasure walking down the street, seeing the old shops, the bustling red car trolley, and Carthay Circle inviting you closer in the distance. It's a great successor to Main Street USA, capturing everything about that street that makes it the textbook entrance to your story in the park. Number five, the Polynesian Resort in Walt Disney World. So yeah, the lobby used to be, oh, like a million times better than it is now. 
when it had the massive fountain and rock feature in the center. Now it's so underwhelming, but that doesn't change the fact that the Polynesian has this timeless retro vibe that still lives in the 1970s, when Walt Disney World was first created. It feels like this moment frozen in time, and when you're there, you feel like you're part of that history. Not to mention the grounds are lush with foliage and water features so prominently into the main areas that your walk isn't just visually stunning, but also instantly calming. It's like the walk equivalent of a Xanax and three fingers of whiskey. Number four, Frontierland in Disneyland. Here I go again talking about Frontierland, but try and stop me. This land excels in details. There's Big Thunder Mountain and the riverboat, but in terms of attractions, it's one of the lands that's lighter. But it doesn't need them. The land is full of details and kinetic energy that make it exciting and exhilarating to walk through. Yes, everything is meticulous so that you feel that you're in that time period. Well, except when you see the family ride by in their ECVs. But the transportive nature isn't the real winner here. It's the details. You could spend hours absorbing the shop signs, the windows, the alleyways, the little nooks and crannies that have treasure waiting for you to discover them. And yeah, again, do it at night. Number three, Grizzly Peak area at Disney California Adventure. Tommy, do you have your trusty steed ready? This land is epic. It's themed after the great forests of the Pacific Northwest around the 1950-1960s era, where the national parks were just taking off. There was tremendous attention to the landscaping here, ensuring every tree, flower, and brush was perfectly chosen and fits into the environment so you feel like you're walking around a natural space, not one that was artificially created. This land is large to where at times you can really feel like you're out alone in the wilderness connecting with nature. The epic soundtrack doesn't hurt either. Number two, Main Street USA and Walt Disney World. Perhaps it's best to steal the words of one of our Disney crew, Jason, who said, Main Street USA greets you when you pass through the turnstile. Walt felt compelled to recreate a mystical unicorn version of Anytown USA in order to greet his guests. For him, this was his golden age, his wishful thinking, his better times, and his pain, out there for the world to see. As if we needed any more obvious metaphor, the man had a castle place at the end of his nostalgic trip down the quite literal memory lane, as if to tauntingly scream at us, this is everything, this is what I want, this is what I need. Down Main Street, we see the nuances of lives once lived and stories never told. Inward bound novels of lives, stories, families, and friends all etched into a made up memory, merely by catching sight of the stylized sign that read, confectionery or emporium. Yeah, Jason, I want to live there too. Number one, World Showcase in Epcot. Okay, maybe this is the ultimate cheat because this walk is over a mile long, but it's our list and we're talking about best places to walk, so none should be better than the place that affords the most walking. Epcot's World Showcase is the ultimate afternoon stroll. It has literally everything you want in the perfect Disney walk. It has rich, varied areas which are immaculately themed and intensely comprehensive. It has people to watch and interact with, some of them even ambassadors for the very countries they are working in currently, and most of them aching to share their stories with you. There are shops, restaurants, street performers, musicians, and bars which you can walk right into or stop in to recharge your batteries by grabbing the perfect walking snack or an ice cold drink. There's so much to see and do here, it's impossible to condense it down into a few words. 
This is a place that must be savored. You have to slow down, enjoy your time walking here. Take in the sights, sounds, and smells. This is what Disney does so well. Can you do it? Can you take a walk, take a chance? Here are eight places that are certainly worth your energy. If you do, you will be rewarded with an experience that will enrich your time at Disney even more than just running from attraction to attraction. And frankly, you'll be less tired, cranky, and annoyed. That's our Elite Eight of places to walk around in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. We'll be right back. It's time for another moment for us. is a segment where our DCN correspondent Brooke discusses different aspects of Disney that may have been overhyped and upon further inspection were, oh, disappointing. Brooke's our very own DCN ice cream sundae. She's sweet, but yeah, she can be ice cold. The vast majority of the time, she's positive about all things Disney. So when Brooke's not impressed, you need to pay attention. This is a segment we like to call Brooke's Not Impressed, and tonight, Brooke's not impressed with a certain popular food item at Walt Disney World. Brooke? Thank you, Tommy. When I first started this segment, my intention was not to become the quote-unquote girl who doesn't like stuff. If you know me, you know I generally love pretty much everything about Disney. That was the irony in creating a Brooks Not Impressed segment because, well, generally things at Disney do impress me. However, when I started getting more and more into the Disney parks, spending hours researching, following people on social media, and endlessly going to the parks, well, you start to pick up on things. One of those things is that the Disney parks have some truly rabid fans. I mean, I get it. I have a Disney podcast. 
But I think the fans and their joy and exuberance for the parks tend to eh, get a little too excited about every little thing. Dole Whip was one of those things, which I already mentioned, but it bears mentioning again because look, again, let me clarify that I don't hate it, but I just don't think it warrants the hype. And that's what I'm really talking about here. Does this thing, whatever it is, deserve the hype it gets in the Disney community? That's the question I'm trying to answer. And tonight, I'm turning the spotlight on another Disney fan favorite, sure to ruffle some feathers. It is the school bread found in the unpronounceable Norway bakery. What is school bread? It is allegedly based on a popular Norwegian snack called school bread, which is sweet bread injected with vanilla pudding and covered in icing and coconut. Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but it isn't. That's the problem. I was more than not impressed with this. I actually didn't like this at all. On paper, this should be right up my alley, but it just sort of drops the ball. Why? Well, the bread is too dense, not quite soft enough. I think if it had more of a donut style consistency, then it would change the whole game here. One would hope the pudding would even the bread out or soften it up, but it doesn't. Not because there isn't enough, but again, because the bread is too dense to absorb any of the pudding. The one thing it has going for it is that it isn't overly sweet, but maybe that's not a huge selling point. I mean, it's supposed to be sweet bread, so it should be sweet. It should also be soft and delicious and satisfying too, but it's just none of those things either. School bread has reached cult status in the Disney community for reasons I just cannot understand. The Dole Whip doesn't have anything major wrong with it. It's just too simple and not worth the hype. School bread, on the other hand, has actual things wrong with it, which could be corrected to make it immensely better. And for that reason, I'm just not impressed. And there it is. Thank you all for joining us on your DCN This Week show. It's a pleasure having you with us, but sadly, now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Tune in next week for more news, facts, information, and maybe we'll all find out when was the last time we all had a good cry. Proud of you. Good night, everybody. Yeah.